What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? We're going to Deuce Podcast. My name is Solomon Elite, at Solomon Elite NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Adam Spolian of Sports Radio 610, who is doing double duty for us this week. How you doing, Adam? I'm good. Thanks for doing this. So, a lot has happened since we last recorded in just three days. Just three days. Before, we, before I get into this, Adam, let me ask you a question. So, I was having a conversation a couple days ago with a buddy of mine, and he told me that his favorite time of the NBA season is free agency. And this guy's really into this stuff. Like he's got salary cap sheets on his phone, and this stuff's like Christmas Eve to him and like a, a lot of NBA fans. And I get it. Like this is my one of my favorite times of the year too. I'm still partial to the playoffs, but I enjoy this. Uh, I enjoy all the pageantry about free agency. I think it's cool that teams have prepared for years for this moment. I think it's awesome that ESPN has this five-hour jump special because they didn't have this stuff like six or seven years ago. Um, I, I had to resort to like real GM and hoops hype for all my news and rumors like 10 years ago. Uh, now it's massive. This is the main event. Does it bother you a little bit that this has become almost bigger than the NBA season? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's it's supposed to be about the basketball. It's supposed to be about who wins and loses on the floor. And, you know, we just, it, it doesn't seem to be that way anymore. I think part of that is just kind of been, it, there are a lot of teams in the league. Actually, I'd say that, you know, 80% of the teams in the league don't have a chance to win the championship. Um, and so I think that they're all kind of looking at to the future and they're trying to figure out ways for their teams to get better. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. I like the playoffs a lot more. I would, I would much I, that first day of the playoffs, that Saturday where you have the four games, that's a lot of fun. I, I always like it when, once you get to the second round and you have a bunch of really good series. So I'm partial to the playoffs. I get why people like this. It's, you know, you get a lot of rumors, a lot of player movement. It, it's like fantasy basketball right now. Yeah, yeah. And again, like I, I, I completely understand people who uh, love this stuff and like this is their favorite time of the year. Um, and this is still one of my favorites. I, I just I agree. Like I, this is the building blocks, right? Like the, the culmination of all this is the playoffs. I feel like that should have more importance than this. But I get it. You know, I, I understand the excitement. I, I understand the pageantry around all this. I, I, I get um I get the excitement. I get the excitement because you're right. A lot of teams don't have hope. This gives them hope, and that and that's a lot of fun for people. It's a lot of fun for people. The un, the unknown is a lot of it's it's really exciting. Oh yeah, no question. So let's talk about this ever evolving Jimmy Butler situation. So the last time we talked, it had become apparent that the Ra- the Rockets were ramping up their efforts to approach Philadelphia with the signing trade scenario for Jimmy. Since then, Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach Lowe reported that the Rockets were offering Clint Capella. Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker individually to teams with space to uh, to absorb salary. Um, they're apparently trying their best to get you know the best for available first round picks. 
for any of those three, hoping to redirect those picks to Philly in pursuit of a Jimmy Butler trade. Uh, so we both thought that the original proposal would involve Eric Gordon going to the Sixers and Clint Capella going to a third team. And it still could be that way, but this report seems to suggest that the Sixers would want draft compensation and that $20 million-plus uh, trade exception instead of Eric Gordon. It could be just that the Rockets are canvassing the league, preparing for different scenarios. I don't know. It's incredibly complicated. But I'll say this. If you're still doubting Daryl's ability ability to maneuver through all this complicated I don't know what front office you've been watching the past decade. No, I, I think I said this to you the other day, this is probably the most creative uh, front office that there is in the NBA. Most creative, most resourceful. Uh, they they are going to find a way. They are going to find little loopholes. That's what they did with the Chris Paul trade uh, a couple of summers ago where they were able to find loopholes and able to get a deal done by using a bunch of guys with non-guaranteed contracts. I mean, this is what they do. They are very, very good at this. Um, they are prepared. They're resourceful. And they're going to find a way. If Jimmy Butler wants to come to Houston, they are going to find a way to make that happen. And it seems like that they are just turning over every single rock in order to make that happen. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned the Chris Paul trade because a lot of people have just, have just forgotten how incredibly complicated that trade was. Like, I remember I remember the discussions that, that happened that summer. Like, people were scoffing at the ability that the Rockets would, would, would be able to create uh, max cap space for one of these high-level free agents. And instead, they they created this opt-in trade scenario, which people did not were not thinking of. Like this was not something that even the cap guys they, they weren't thinking of, of an opt-in trade scenario, and they weren't thinking of the uh, the idea of Houston acquiring like I don't know how many different contracts they want around the league, like just spending all their cash reserves to get these contracts, and they used um, those contracts to you know match up Chris Paul's salary, and they had Chris Paul waive his trade kicker, like that trade was ridiculously complicated. So after all that, if people are still doubting the creativity of this front office and the ability to get this stuff done, I don't know what it's going to take, honestly. But yeah, a lot of stuff's happened. Uh, Mark Stein reported yesterday that the Rockets believe that they have a trade partner for Clint Capella, but do not intend to deal Clint Capella unless they are sure they can acquire a mark. Uh, they can acquire Jimmy Butler, court according to a source briefed on Houston's thinking. So this lines up with Jonathan Fagan reporting um, a, that the Rockets already have deals lined up for Clint Capella and Eric Gordon. So at this point, it seems that the Rockets are ready to go in the case that Jimmy says yes. And B, the Sixers acquiesce to Butler's trade demand and pull the trigger with one with Houston. Now, one of the central questions we've we've all been asking is, will the Sixers play ball? That's the question everything fringes on. And I'm going to read what Sam Amick reported a couple of days ago. As for the key question of whether the Sixers would be willing to cooperate in a possible sign and trade, a source with knowledge of their situation said it's looking likely. So that's what Amick says. But things could change, and they could at least easily say no, screw you, and Houston's attempt was futile. Um, but if you, if Jimmy Butler approaches Philly with the credible threat that he's leaving to another team if you don't trade him to Houston, then it becomes a lot easier. You essentially need a, thir- a third dummy team to provide a credible threat, that, you know, and you need the Sixers to value Houston's asset over the, their own cap space. Yeah, you're right. And the fact that you haven't heard... Um any other team, you know, any players, any any max players um, mentioned with Philly, just kind of tells you that they don't really have many other options. 
if Jimmy Butler were to decide to leave. I, there's just not a whole lot that they can do. And so they would have around, I think they'd have around, they wouldn't have quite max cap space if Butler were to leave. And I'm going to assume that they're going to renounce Boban, uh, but they'll, they'll be in really good cap shape. And then you just wonder, well, can they, can they do more with their cap space than Eric Gordon and whatever they would get for Clint Capella? And I'm not sure that they can. I mean, you look too, um, they're about to have to give, they're going to have to give Ben, uh, ben Simmons an extension pretty soon. Uh, They've already given a big extension to uh, to Embiid. You figure that they're going to re-sign Tobias Harris if Butler leaves. So that's a bunch of really big contracts. And if you can get Eric Gordon with one year left on his contract to where maybe you're not a repeater with the luxury tax, I think that turns out to be very important for them. Yeah, and it's not just Eric Gordon here. Like that, it's the draft assets you get back for whatever deal uh, Clint Capella, like whatever team Clint Capella is traded to. Um I have a feeling that that team is Boston, and a lot of people have, have, have thought this. Uh, there's been some reporting coming out of Boston that the, the six that the Celtics are interested in Clint Capella. I'm not sure what that third team is, but it seems like that that third team is ready to go. So really, it hinges on whether or not Jimmy says yes, and whether the Sixers play ball. Well, and I think that Capella has been a little underrated. Uh, not underrated, but undervalued a little bit around here just because of what happened in the playoffs and how he did not play well against Golden State and people forget just how good he was during the regular season and how important that he was to the Rockets and what they did just because there's going to be interest for him. I mean, he's got, you know, the contract is big, but it's not terrible. It's not a bad contract by any stretch and he can help out teams. And you mentioned Boston. There's a bunch of other teams that could really use him. Sacramento, I think, is a team that could really use him. Um, I think the Mavericks would be a team that could really use him. And all these teams have some cap space. And so I don't think the Rockets would have any trouble finding a taker for Capella or for Gordon if it comes to that. Right. And the thing you mentioned earlier about how we're not really sure if the Sixers can get anybody better than Eric Gordon's $14 million contract. I mean, that's that's a hell of a contract. Like... And it was signed during the summer of 2016. It was one of the few contracts from that summer that's actually aged incredibly well. And I, I'm, I'm looking at the landscape of free agents. Like there, don't get me wrong. There's a bunch of really good free agents just because there's so many of them. Like 40% of the league is a free agent. And there, you can make the case that perhaps the Sixers can find value deals. But I'm not sure if you can find a, a value deal better than Eric Gordon. And, and that team needs shooting. Like that, that team. Okay, yes, they have Tobias Harris, but you look at everyone besides that. I mean, I, I guess is Embiid going to be your floor spacer? Would you rather have him near the rim where he's most effective? Uh, you'd rather have guys like Eric Gordon spacing the floor out for you, and whatever draft picks you get back, you know, you, maybe you can draft another shooter. That rounds out that Philadelphia team pretty well. And a lot of people have asked, you know, from last season, you know, whether or not the Sixers made one too many trades. And if you can correct that by trading Jimmy Butler and getting some quality assets for them, I don't, I don't understand why, why they wouldn't do that. Uh, now, again, they have, they can, they have, they hold all the cards. the The biggest domino here, in my opinion, is the financials. If they offer that fifth year, if they offer five years, one hundred ninety million dollars to Jimmy Butler. The reporting came out today from Shams Charania that Philadelphia, that Jim, people around the league believe that Jimmy Butler's camp would value that significantly. Now, if that is indeed the case, I'm not sure what 
what Houston can do, can do to convince Jimmy to come to Houston and turn that turn down that kind of money because that that fifth year was like a fifty million dollars. Like, like I'm not sure how he's able to make that up. Like yes, there's no state income tax here, and yes, maybe maybe his next contract makes up a, a significant amount of that fifty million dollars. I'm not sure. Like Jimmy Butler has an as an injury history. He has a lot of minutes logged on his body. Like the the case for him taking that money is very very substantial. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you're talking 190 million as you just said it. It's a 50 million dollar difference. And by the way, the Rockets can't give him the five years in the signing trade. Um, and to be honest with you, if I'm the Rockets, I'd be a little scared to give Jimmy Butler five years and. You know, I think that that's kind of the the second day question of this whole thing. Is it worth giving Jimmy Butler all of that and essentially tearing up your entire team in the process? Uh, it's listen, it's a tough decision to make, uh, but I think that from what you've seen out of Daryl Morey in his tenure here, going back to when he first took over as Rockets GM, he's going to take the big swings, and if if they blow up, they blow up, and I think that's what we could be looking at here with this whole move. Yeah, and if you were to ask me three days ago whether or not the Rockets would get this done, I would say no, and I I would still say no. But I'm like, I'm like, I'm like fifty five percent certain that they won't get Jimmy Butler now. Whether whereas before I was like sixty to seventy percent certain that they wouldn't get him because all the reporting come out of, coming out of Houston seems like they're really confident that they can get him. Like the verbiage used to describe how they view their pursuit of Jimmy Butler. It's eye-opening because they're using words like confident. They're using words like hopeful. They 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 believe that they're the front runner to land him, which is you know really eye-opening. Like that that that's something I didn't believe was the case even just three days ago when we had this last podcast. I will say this though: the Rockets have been in this position many times, and a lot of times it hasn't always worked out. Chris Bosh, they were very confident then; it didn't work out. Uh, they were confident in their ability to sign LeBron James. You know, not not just last summer, but a couple. But uh, when he first went back to Cleveland, I mean, they've always felt like they've been in the mix on everybody. And really, the only time it's worked out for them is Dwight Howard and then also Chris Paul with the trade. So, you know, I wouldn't take the confidence that they're exuding to, to mean a whole lot at this point. I think that they believe that they can make it happen. I think they believe that if they can get into the room, that they can convince him to come here. But... I've heard all that before, so you got to wait and see with all of this. Yeah, and, and the reporting coming coming out of Philly is that they're confident that they can resign him too, and that that shouldn't be ignored at all. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned the the risk of this pursuit, right? So the, this has been a question that's been kind of lingering in the background. Of all of this, I personally am struggling to see the downside in pursuing Jimmy Butler. So if you have all these deals lined up that you're not going to pull the trigger on until you're confident that you can get a deal done, I'm struggling to see what the risk is because then you go back to what Daryl said Houston was going to do all along, which was bring back their core and sign a significant player with their taxpayer mid-level exception. Like, you're still one of the favorites to come out of the West if Jimmy Butler doesn't come here. Like, so... For everyone that's like wondering, like, well, why Houston's doing this, and if they're panicking, like, I'm not sure. Like, I don't see the downside in pursuing one of the 15 best players in the NBA. Now, the counter argument here is, well, how does this affect your locker room? How does this affect the the players? And they're like, I don't know. I'm 
I've been in that locker room. Those players are pretty Teflon. Like they they don't care when their when their name is brought up in trade rumors, and they know they they know the game. They're professionals. That they, they know the locker room. That they know the front office uh, that they work for. They know Darrow's always aggressive, um, and I, and I'm sure Darrow's communicated that to them in the past. Like you know, like you're not a Houston Rocket for life. Like it, unless your name is James Harden, like you, you're not guaranteed a roster spot any year at any given point in the season. So I don't think it's going to affect the locker room too much. Like I, like even when the Lakers, like there was all this talk about how this pursuit of Anthony Davis would negatively impact that Lakers locker room. Like I, I didn't buy it then. Like I think, I just think players are more professional than we give them credit for. Like they, they know this better than we, than we talk about. Well, the, I think the Davis thing did affect the Lakers last year, but those were all young kids that had never been through this whole thing before. Right. These are hardened veterans. Yeah, I mean, Eric Gordon's been around for a long time. He's been traded before. Um, Clint Capella's not you know, a veteran that's been traded before, but he's been through this, and he's been with the Rockets for, for the last five years. So he knows how they operate, and he knows you know, what Daryl Morey's going to do. Same thing, P.J. Tucker's you know, bounced around the league for a long time. So they all know the deal. I, so I think it's a hundred. It's completely different when you're doing it with, with veterans as opposed to young guys with what the Lakers were talking about throughout the the, uh, the winter with Anthony Davis. I don't think that it matters. You know, if they get, if they don't get it done, I don't think that you know Gordon or Tucker or Capella come back here and they're angry and bitter about it. I think that you know Gordon was already going to come in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because he's. You know, he's a free agent after next season, and he would like one last big contract. I think that to him matters more than anything else at this point. And he said that he wants to be here. I think that he would probably be relieved if he's able to stay here because of how he's thrived since coming over. Right, and like the the biggest thing here is Houston's free agency doesn't start and end with Jimmy Butler. Like, it, like they that may be their primary objective. But if they don't land him, they can still do a lot of things. Like they, they like going back to Eric Gordon, they can give him an extension, and I'm sure that that will that will help uh, curry over a little favor with him. You know, like, like all those hard feelings about him being in trade rumors over the past couple of days. Like I'm sure an extension would make him feel a lot better about that. And you can go out and you can sign a strong mid level guy. There's reporting that the Rockets have strong interest in Danny Green. Now that I'm not sure if they can land Danny Green for their taxpayer mid level exception, but if they can land a significant player, like you can still get better. Like like this idea that the Rockets are going to be like are are tearing their locker room apart because they don't land Jimmy Butler. Like I I don't know. Like I, I'm just struggling to see the risk here. Like if he says no, he says no. And you go back to what you thought you were going to do all along, which was bring the core back, run it back. Like the, the West is a little bit more wide open than it was last year. Now the Lakers seem to be making a lot of noise, and they may they may bolster their 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 starting lineup a little bit more in the next couple of days. But even if the Lakers do exist as this powerhouse, I would still believe that the Rockets are one of the favorites to come out of the Western Conference, um, if not at least the second favorite. So I don't understand what. Like, what's the risk? Like, what is the risk here? Like, you're pursuing one of the best players in the NBA, and if he says no, he says no. You can go back to what, to being one of the best teams in the Western Conference. I don't think there's any risk in talking about it. They probably should do it a little bit quieter, and I don't know if they if as much should be leaked as what's been leaked this week. I think the risk is if he actually says yes, because you're now you go from knowing exactly what you have to now you're throwing. Now you're a little bit of a question mark. Not a question mark in that are you going to be good, but now you have to try and 
make this whole thing work again, and it's not going to be easy. I mean, you've got you know a head coach who's future is up in the air. You've got, you know, an older Chris Paul. You've got James Harden. Can he coexist with, with Jimmy Butler? And I mean, I think these are legitimate questions that while I think that they will be answered and would be answered, they're still out there and you still have to see how this group would, would mesh together. So I, I don't think the I, I don't have any issue with them going for it. I, I just think the questions come with, well, what if he does say yes? Then you start to, then you have to answer a lot more questions. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, the, the fit is... It's not. It's not one hundred percent like. It's not. It's not like a Steph Curry, Kevin Durant kind of fit, right? Like Jimmy Butler is not the kind of like shooter that would seemingly fit a, fit alongside Chris Paul and James Harden like just seamlessly. Like it, like they they would have to do a lot of work. They would have to restructure their offense a little bit. They're gonna have to do a lot less isolation, or at the very least, get the ball out of James Harden's hands a little bit more. And that's going to take some adjustment. That's going to take some. Um, that's going to take some coaching. And I, I believe they can get there. Um, I wrote about. Uh, I wrote about Jimmy Butler a couple of days ago, and I talked about how like Jimmy's like a fantastic cutter, man. Like this guy is like really, really good, just cutting to the rim and finding transition buckets and moving, moving without the basketball. He may not be the best shooter, like, and he's a little bit underrated as a catch and shoot player. He's like thirty nine percent as a catch-and-shoot shooter. So he he's a pretty decent catch-and-shoot shooter. And if you can figure out the dynamics of that offense, this team could be really deadly. But I think the biggest downside in acquiring Jimmy Butler is the limited flexibility you then have. Because you are then hard-capped, right? Because so, this new CBA, you get hard-capped for doing signing trades. And you don't have your... You don't have your... your Mid, your full mid-level exception you only have like six million dollars or whatever to spend on players and it gets tough it gets tough to fill out that roster and you can't do anything mid-season because again that hard cap is something you cannot go over um and and i think that that that's really where the juggling act become becomes hard for daryl Morey. now the rockets have been a team over the past decade where get the star in and we'll figure out the rest later but figuring out the rest later is a real question that they have to ask right now because if they don't if they do land Jimmy Butler like you have to get you have to get players to buy in for ridiculously cheap contracts because it's not like the Rockets like it's not like the Rockets are cheaping out by giving them cheap contracts it's it's that they won't be able to by NBA rules so that's where I think it's going to be really really tough if we do acquire Jimmy Butler filling out that roster um and going into the going into midseason, like finding guys that are willing to take minimum contracts, even though they're perhaps worth a lot, a little bit more than that. And, and let's be honest too; it's not like there are a lot of solid NBA players that are just willing to take the veterans' minimum. I mean, this is this is not something that happens. I mean, it, it happened with Ray Allen, and that's really about it. I mean, you're talking about Ray Allen and David West. Other than that, it really doesn't happen, and so there and say, well, the Rockets will have no problem getting this done. No, that's that's not the case at all, and especially if you look if the Lakers are able to get done what they're going to try and get done, pairing up LeBron James and, and uh, Anthony Davis and maybe Kawhi Leonard, well, that threesome is a lot better than what the Rockets would offer in terms of Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, and James Harden. As good as those three are, I would much rather, if I'm going to go play for the minimum, I'd rather go do it in L.A. and do it with the Lakers being surrounded by those three guys. So I think I think the the way they try and, and build around the roster, around these three, if it were to happen, 
that's the big question mark in this whole thing because it's going to be really tough. And that's where some of the moves that they've made in the past where they have traded essentially their last five first-round picks, that's where that sort of stuff hurts you in the end because you don't have those guys that can fill in your roster. So they're going to try and fill in their roster with Gary Clark and Isaiah Hartenstein and you know the three undrafted free agents that they've signed to you know to, to play summer league. I mean, that's a really tough way to try and build an NBA roster right now. Yeah, if Shamori Pines is like your eighth man, you're you're in some trouble. Like you, you're in some deep. But the. We're also talking about trading away Clint Capella. You're starting center. Like, you're going to have to find a way to replace that guy. And I, I know a lot of people have suggested, you know, maybe DeAndre Jordan's, maybe maybe Kevon Looney, maybe like Jordan Bell or whatever. Like, yes, there are a lot of free agent centers on the market. But I still think, you mentioned this at the top of the show, I still think people underrate how important Clint Capella was for Houston for over not just the season, over the past couple of seasons. Like, that consistent role threat and that partnership with James Harden, like, it's not easy being a screener for someone who's left-handed. Like, like that's just a mental adjustment that I don't think people at home watching the games, like, really understand. Like, it's it's really difficult because like, most most guards are right-handed and, and setting screens for the left side, like, that's just something that's unnatural and it takes some time and Clint Capella has, has taken time adjusting to James Harden and Chris Paul uh, over the past couple of seasons, and for to ask this new this new big man to to develop that same partnership, to develop that same chemistry, that's a lot. And those those players may not be as good as at lob at lob threats at you know finishing around the basket. Like that's something I think that people are underrating in all this. Like people think you can just easily replace ninety percent of Clint Capella with DeAndre Jordan. I'm just like I, I'm not sure about that. Like, I'm not sure if you can play DeAndre Jordan against some of the best perimeter threats in the NBA. Like, I th- I know you can do that with Clint Capella. I, I don't think you can do that with, with someone like DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan wasn't very good this year. I mean, he, he doesn't move the way that he used to. I mean, let's, let's just be honest. He, DeAndre Jordan wasn't that good. And so to say that, oh, well, he's going to come in and, like you said, he's going to give you 90% of what Clint Capella did, that's, that's, no, that's not based in fact. That's just not going to happen. And you talk about, Clint Capella and, and screening, just the fact that he's a willing screener the way that he is, that doesn't always happen. Dwight Howard did not want to screen as much as the Rockets wanted him to screen. That was a, another big reason why it didn't work for him here, because they wanted him to set a million screens, and he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to take the punishment to his body. So now you're going to ask another guy to come in here and, you know, they'll they'll hear about the lobs and hey you'll get lobs and you'll get finishes and dunks and all that stuff and you'll be on highlights but at the same time they're not going to say hey we want you to set a million screens every single night that's not that's not quite as glamorous as the lobs uh and you're going to be setting screens and guess what every time you set a screen you're not necessarily going to get the lob so that's it, it, it's just not quite as simple as i think people are making it out to be now there are there are guys that that could come in and help. Kevon Looney's not going to be one of them. I think the Warriors are going to pay him. Um, he was so good for them down the stretch in, in the postseason and showed a lot of toughness by playing in the finals the way that he did. Uh, I don't think Looney's an option. Jordan's an option. I think that uh, Jordan could be a possibility, but you know, Jordan's kind of in demand because of how close he is with Kevin Durant. So there's, there's a lot of ifs with this whole thing. So, I mean, you could sign Jimmy Butler, but there are a lot of things that have to happen in order for you to have a good basketball team. They're not a good basketball team, but, you know, a great championship-level basketball team next season. Right. 
And at the same time, like, Butler does do, like, we don't want to shortchange the amount of positive that Jimmy Butler can add to this basketball team. Like, he is one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. And, and that's that's the big part of this whole thing, because the Rockets defensively were not good last year. And I, I know the numbers were better after the All-Star break. They still weren't a good defensive team. And right. uh, and, and you saw that really in the playoffs where, yeah, I know Utah didn't score a lot of points, but that's just because they missed a million open shots in that five game series. But the Warriors just picked them apart. Having Butler and having a guy that's, you know, six foot eight and not six foot four, that's going to be really helpful for them. So, you know, I don't want to, I don't want it to, to sound like, you know, I'm saying, no, you don't do the Butler thing, but I'm just saying that it's not quite as easy as I think people are making it out to be right now. No, for sure, for sure. Uh, and, like the going just going back to that center thing again. Like if you acquire Jimmy Butler, I'm assuming you're gonna keep switching like like a billion times per game, right? Like you're gonna keep continue your switching defense and finding a center that is as good as at Clint Capella at switching. That's just really hard. Like Clint Capella over the past couple of years has been one of the best switch defenders in the NBA. He declined a little bit last year. Like he took a small step last year, but in general, he is one of the better switch defenders in the NBA at the big man position. So finding a center like that, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Along with all that screening stuff you mentioned, finding someone who's willing to switch as much as Clint Capella was, it's going to be really tough. And finding these shooters, because again, you're not just finding that center. You got to find shooters to surround these guys. Because you just traded away Eric Gordon, you're going to have to find competent shooting. You're going to have to like. So this is reporting that, that that the Rockets would keep PJ Tucker in a situation in which they acquired Jimmy Butler. So that helps. That 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 that's some that's a huge positive. You can keep PJ Tucker. Um, that 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 helps the shooting a little bit. But you're going to have to go out in the free agent market. You're going to have to find guys that are going to be willing to pay play for this team unwillingly cheap deals that might that might even be guys like Gerald Green you might have to bring Gerald Green back to play for a minimum contract to see if he he'd be willing to to join this team with the amount of shooting that they'd be lacking well I think Gerald Green is going to come back I'd be surprised if he doesn't now I think the problem that that you run into you don't want to have to rely on Gerald Green right they they've kind of found themselves having to rely on Gerald Green which, you know, it's great to have him on the roster. Everybody likes him. Uh, he fits what they want to do really well. But if you're having to rely on him, and he's had to play in elimination games the last two years against the Warriors, that's not what you're looking for. That's that's a little bit of a problem, and I think you saw that in both the last two years, that if he's on the floor in big situations against the Warriors in playoffs, that's a bit of a problem. Right. And speaking of Gerald Green, uh, the Rockets, as I mentioned earlier, like – the Rockets have been rumored to be strongly um, pursuant of his cousin, Danny Green. Uh, and this is going to be one of the more interesting storylines of the Rockets offseason if they do indeed strike out on Jimmy Butler. Who they sign for that taxpayer mid-level exception is one of the most important questions of their in, of their offseason because the Rockets insist that they will find someone significant that will outperform that contract. But if you look at someone like Danny Green, I'm not sure if he'd be willing to turn down millions of dollars to sign with the Rockets. And on top of that, you'd be asking him to leave the defending champion Toronto Raptors. Um, and that's a guy that's going to demand at least $10 million on the open market, and you're asking him to take $5.5 million. So that's significant. Have you been looking at the free agent market to see what kind of guys the Rockets can sign for that $5.5 million mid-taxpayer mid-level yeah. exception? Yeah, and there's some decent options, but like you said, 
when you're limited. And also the problem, too, that the Rockets run into is that they have their own free agents that I'm sure that they would like to keep. And so you have to prioritize one or the other. And you know, I think that they would like to keep Austin Rivers, but can they keep Austin Rivers without having to dip into the mid-level? Um, can they keep Daniel House without having to dip into the mid-level? I think that these are, are important questions that they have to start asking. But no, there are, there are plenty of guys out there that could help them. Um, it's just a matter of how do they want to use what limited resources that they actually have. Yeah, and if you're the Rockets, you are you are banking on teams like violently overpaying guys because then the the money when the money dries up, and then these guys are willing to take cheaper deals to play for a contender. Um, that that's what you're depending on if you're the Rockets. But if the Rockets can do that, if they can bring back their core, if they can bring back guys like Iman Shepard, which we talked about in the last podcast, I think that's a that should be one of their priorities if they don't resign Jimmy Butler. I mean, if they don't sign Jimmy Butler, signing, re-signing Iman Shepard should be one of their priorities, and re-signing uh, guys like Austin Rivers, uh, going after guys like Danny Green. Like, you're in a pretty nice spot, but it's going to be really tough to find someone for that taxpayer mid-level exception. Yeah, and I and we talked about this the other day, but I think Shepard should be. Uh, that's somebody that they need to bring back, regardless of if they get Butler or not. Just to, just to have that possible contract to trade. Because they're that they're going to need that, especially because they just don't have a lot of options to get better. You know whether or not they they make the Butler deal or not. So, but you know you've seen Al Farouk name out there. I think that he would help them. Uh, I don't I, I don't know if DeAndre Jordan is even the best center option. I really like Willie Cauley Stein. I know a lot of people don't, but Willie Cauley Stein is a guy that I think would help them. And he's a little younger and, and bouncier, and I think that he'd be better defensively. And somebody like DeAndre Jordan, he's restricted. But I don't think Sacramento would would look to even match anything that he were to get. Uh, George Hill is another guy that I like, um, and he can defend. And he was really good with Milwaukee down the stretch. And there's a lot, of, like you said, there's 40 percent of the league is going to be a free agent uh, tomorrow. So there's no shortage of options that they have. They just don't have a lot of ways to get better. I'm partial to someone like Jamichael Green. Like that's someone I think. Like ever since the Rockets lost Trevor Reza, they've been looking to fill this this starting small forward spot, and they've been doing it kind of by piecemeal. They they they've had Eric Gordon play stints, they've had Daniel House play stints. They haven't really had someone big and long at that small forward spot, which is really helpful for the kind of defense that they play. And it's been a, it's been a huge hindrance in in their rebounding because because they've been so shorthanded with length. If they can get someone like Jamichael Green for that taxpayer mid level exception, like. They're in a really nice spot. Now, I'm not sure what kind of money Jamichael's going to demand on the free agent market, but that is someone that they tried to trade for this season, and they might have acquired him if not for the the Grizzlies trying to canvas the market for Mike Conley. They might have been able to pull off a deal, but if they if they can find someone like that, or maybe even Garrett Temple, like if they can find someone like that who's has some nice size, nice athleticism, good shooter. Jamichael Green's a really good shooter in the NBA, if you can find someone like that, you're in a really solid spot. And you can bring Eric Gordon back off the bench, which I think the Rockets, I, I don't think they publicly say this, but I, I don't think the Rockets are 100% comfortable with Eric Gordon starting in that small forward position long term. I think they really want to find someone to fill that start, that starting small forward spot. That's a little bit longer, a little bit more athletic, a little bit more capable defensively than Eric Gordon. And I, and I think someone like Jamichael Green would, would fill that, that hole really nicely. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. I think that they were better 
um, with Eric Gordon coming off the bench two years ago. And I just think that they, they really didn't have much of a choice but to start Gordon just because of, of the other options that they had. Uh, and especially with kind of the way that Daniel House fell off uh, in the playoffs. I, 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 I think it's really hard in this NBA to start, you know, three or four guys that are six foot six or smaller. And that's what the Rockets were doing last year. And, you know, they were playing five guys that were six six and smaller in crunch time against the Warriors. You can't do that. I, I don't think you can do that in this NBA. You look at what and what Toronto did, there were times where Toronto was playing Siakam, Abaka, and Gasol together in the NBA Finals. I think you need size. I think you need blank. I think that's what they need to go for more than anything else. Right, and, and against teams like Toronto, Milwaukee, they really struggled against that kind of size. Like that kind of size bothers the Rockets, and, and to counter that, they have to go out in the, mar- the free agent market and get some size. Like they really need to get some guys with with nice wingspans, with uh, with that are at least like six six and taller, because like they they just you just can't defend guys like LeBron James, like Kawhi Leonard, like Giannis Antetokounmpo, like the, te- the the guys that they're gonna have to defend if they want to make a deep playoff run. You just can't defend those guys by piecemealing like pj tucker eric gordon and and like iman Shepard. like you need you need significant size like i, I think the rockets need to make that a priority this season this offseason it's like they could use a trevor ariza type yeah yeah uh maybe not trevor ariza exactly but yeah someone like that someone like that uh adam where can we find you on twitter and what are you working on this summer uh, A-B-A-M-S-P-O-L-A-N-E and uh, we've got a big free agent special on Sports Radio 610 Sunday right at 5 o'clock so tune into that for sure thanks for coming on Adam uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes Google Play Stitcher and Spotify give us 5 stars on iTunes if you enjoyed the show uh, and yeah guys good night.